It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here today on this Monday. Last, uh, well, no, no, I was going to say it's the last Monday of October, but we got one more next week. My kids wouldn't let me forget about that. Halloween. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and hope your week is off to a good start. So as we get started here today, are you very good at math or science? Or are you the kind of person who you, you just find yourself avoiding anything too complex in either of those fields? I, I wouldn't say I'm amazing at either, but in my house, it seems that between my wife, my kids, myself, our brains, we really go for one of two areas in either math or science. And in high school and college, I was the kind of person who did much better with geometry, kind of leading into basic calculus. But I, I did not like algebra, especially high-level algebra. My wife and most of my kids are the opposite. They would much rather deal with algebra over any sort of geometry class. We have the same kind of split over science, too. While, while uh, some of my family prefers biology, I'm in the camp with some of the others uh, of my kids where we're much more inclined to chemistry. But I didn't know this, you know, that I would like chemistry over biology when I was younger, especially in seventh grade. That was the first time I had one of those standalone classes. It wasn't part of, you know, elementary school where you tackle all the different subjects with one teacher, you know, every day through that year. This was where you had a specific class that you went to for that hour. And I had that biology class, seventh grade. All of us students that year, we were required to enter a science fair uh, for our school. The, the entry in the science fair, it was a large portion of our grade that spring. Now, my brother, Seth, he was in college at the time. He was working on a double major in biology and microbiology. So I ended up asking for his help. And my basic project for the science fair was he was going to help me test different areas of the house and see which was the dirtiest, the place most contaminated with bacteria. And Seth, he gave me some Petri dishes. We gathered samples from a few different places, air vents, where all the dusty air is blowing from the heater or the air conditioner. Uh, we grabbed a sample from the kitchen sink. We got one from one of our toilets. And from a couple of high traffic areas of our floor there in the house, any guess as to which sample grew the most bacteria? At seventh grade, I thought hands down it was going to be the toilet. But I was wrong. It was the kitchen sink. And we didn't live in some dirty or unclean house. I mean, you know, we did the dishes every day. We had a dishwasher. We were doing all that. It was a basic stainless steel sink. But that little Petri dish... With that culture, it grew far more bacteria from the, the kitchen sink than any of those others. So if there's a lesson to be learned from that, make sure you're scrubbing that kitchen sink of yours. That's, that's a filthy place. So I ended up putting uh, together my little display 
on some poster board for the science fair, brought it to school on the day we were supposed to bring it there. And I thought it was a pretty decent research project, uh, especially thanks to my brother's help. But I didn't really hold out much hope of winning anything, let alone first prize for the fair. Well, so we brought our, our projects there and the judges, they went through one day and then the next day, all of us students, we were able to go into the cafeteria where all of our projects, they were on display. And that's where I saw I had a ribbon that was actually taped to the side of my science fair project. I had an honorable mention ribbon hanging there. And that was the first time I'd ever received that kind of award, an honorable mention. In the past, for all all kinds of different competitions throughout my childhood, you know, sometimes in those competitions I'd win or I'd play second or third other times, probably more often, I just wouldn't win at all. I wouldn't place. But now here I was, I had this honorable mention ribbon. And I wasn't exactly sure how to feel about it. It was this kind of consolation prize, like the judges were telling me that I, I had done some good work, just not great work. And I remember thinking that I might have actually preferred no ribbon at all, rather than having this kind of consolation prize, almost like it was a a, a pity award. And when we think of consolation, I think that is the kind of thing that comes to mind. You know, hey, you, you tried, we noticed that you tried, and you didn't do all that great, but we want to acknowledge that you did actually try. So here, here's something to console you for not being really all that fantastic at what you did, but (laughs) you gave it a shot. But even though we have that in our mind for consolation, when we talk about that word consolation in the spiritual life, it's really something quite different. Are you familiar with this concept of consolation? St. Ignatius of Loyola, he tells us that in the spiritual life that there is consolation, and then there's the opposite of consolation, something called desolation. And if you're a baptized Christian, whether you know it or not, you're experiencing one of these two states in your life at any time, consolation or desolation. And today we want to take this hour of the inner life to try and better understand this concept, as well as how we then, especially in our prayer time, our conversation with God, how we can experience that consolation. And joining us once again as our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, I'm very glad to welcome back to the program Father Eric Nielsen. Father Eric is a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, and he's the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Father Eric, welcome back to The Inner Life. Hello, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great to be here. All right. So, yeah, are you very much looking forward to it? I am too. Are you are you more of a geometry or a an algebra person? Uh, definitely more of a geometry person. Yeah, I'm a I'm a civil engineer by trade, and we love to uh, think spatially. So, um, well, that was I always thought it made so much more sense. You know, it's just yeah, you're trying to figure out how things are shaped and, you know, volume and area and all of that. It, it, it was so much more logical for me, but boy, I'm in the mi- minority in our house when it comes to that. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit more intuitive. That, that's geometry. what I've always thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, well, there we go. We agree on something uh, <laughs> once again, Father. <laughs> oh, good um, well, so consolation and desolation that I talked about here, I think a lot of times we do have this idea of consolation, uh, you know, that it's it's kind of this having a little bit of pity on someone, consoling them when they're kind of down and out. But 
this idea of consolation and desolation in the spiritual life, it comes from St. Ignatius, and it's something that he calls discernment of spirits. Can you kind of, as we try and understand this concept, walk us through what are we doing in discerning spirits? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, Josh, I mean, consolation, I mean, we we love St. Ignatius, just to back up a little bit, we love St. Ignatius, and there's nothing wrong with St. Ignatius, obviously, but, you know, he had a very specific, like all words, you know, they have slightly different definitions depending on how how they're used, and I think um, St. Ignatius had that a particular way in which he was using that phrase, consolation. But just to broaden the term a little bit, I think, you know, you, you know, your consolation prize, um, there's some truth to that as well. You know, God is the God of consolation, and he does send us consolation. He does, you know, console us, you know, when we, you know, lose a loved one oh, or a sure. spouse. Yeah. You, you know, in a certain sense, it's kind of like God giving you honorable mention, you know. <laughs> you, know it's, he didn't, he didn't, you know, even like if you would, you know, you'd lose the Super Bowl and you're really bad bad about it and prayed, God might console you and say, okay, don't worry about it. You know, right. just, everything's you know, going to be okay. <laughs> everything's going to be okay. So, you know, our Lord does console us like that, but the, you know, to get back more to your point, you know, what is, what is St. Ignatius talking about is he's talking about the difference between consolation and desolation. And that is when you're just looking at more interiorly in your spiritual life and your, your approach to your spiritual life, when we're in a time of consolation we find that it's easy for us to know God is there and that we love God and want to draw closer to God. And because we have that consolation, you know, again, just repeat myself because it's worth repeating. I I know there is a God. Uh, I know God knows who I am, that I, I know that God loves me. And in a certain sense, this just pervades my being um, more than just my intellect, you know, it's not just an intellectual concept, but it, it's something that consoles me. This thought consoles me and strengthens me so that it gives me the strength to move closer to God and to have more confidence in my spiritual life and just more confidence in my life in general. And that can show up amidst a lot of different feelings. You know, it's consolation. You don't want to just simply, in a certain sense, it's more than a feeling. It's more than, it's more like a state of being. I'm in the state of consolation. And maybe some days you're angry because of, you know, um, you know, your, your um, espresso machine busted that morning. And, you know, maybe you're sad because your favorite football team lost or something and you experience these feelings, but you're still in a state of consolation. I, I know God loves me. I, I, I know he's there and I want to love him in return and I want to do good things for him. And I have confidence that I can do these good things for him. So, you know, that would be a state of consolation where desolation would be the opposite. You know, I don't think God is there. I, you know, I, I don't quite feel right with God. Um, my, my inner spirit's a little bit more in turmoil. You know, I don't really feel I can do anything right. Um, I've lost my desire to act. Um, prayer is, you know, really difficult for me. It feels like nothing's happening. I'm just talking to a brick wall. You know, that would be um, the, the desolation. And sometimes desolation and, you know, and sometimes consolation is the result of the right positive things that you're doing. And sometimes desolation is the result of the negative things you're doing. You know, if you're committing sins or just neglecting your prayer life, you could easily put yourself in a spirit of desolation. You know, people do that all the time. But 
uh, often, you know, if you're just living a spiritual life, and like you said, you're a baptized Christian, you know, the consolation, desolation is, is, is more up to God in a certain sense than it is up to you. And sometimes God puts us in a spirit of consolation, and sometimes he puts us in a spirit of desolation. And, um, you know, it's all given to us for our own benefit, and we just have to trust that. Well, so as as we spend some more time, we want to really focus more on the consolation side of things, but I think it might be good here at the beginning of the show to talk for a few minutes at least about more on the desolation side. Number one, so that we really do kind of recognize it in our lives, you know, so that we're not just oblivious or, or ignorant when these times of desolation come upon us when they hit us. But um, you mentioned, you know, sometimes we might bring it upon ourselves. And then the other option is God allows for those times. You know, uh, we encounter that desolation when God allows it. So maybe we can talk about the first there. We bring it upon ourselves. Uh, We stop doing things that we should to keep ourselves spiritually healthy or moving forward spiritually. And this seems pretty basic, but then if we do that, if we stop praying, if we stop going to mass, if you know, if if we kind of get out of mm-hmm. healthy spiritual habits, we can kind of dig ourselves in a rut, and it might take a lot more effort then to get ourselves out of this self-inflicted desolation. If this is where we find ourselves, any advice on how to best get back on track when we are the ones that are kind of the catalyst for that? Yeah, you know, you. Um you, may, you bring up a great point, Josh, and that is, you know, it's really hard to get going again. It's kind of like you've got this really heavy bicycle and you suddenly stop pedaling. You've come to a stop. You know, it, it's just <clears throat> and you're kind of like and you're trying to bike uphill. You know, it's just hard to get it going again. And, and that's what it can feel like. And what you want to do, I think, first of all, just another thing you want to look at is this. Are you living a healthy lifestyle? Because if you're staying up late at night, if you're on the internet until one in the morning, and then you're trying to get some sleep, and then for breakfast you have two donuts and you know a, a huge you know two, two Mountain Dews, and you, you're spending most of your time at home away from other people, you know it, it's that can really make it difficult just to just have a normal spiritual life. So any anybody out there, just healthy habits are just really really beneficial to spiritual life. As um, it's that old Spanish proverb, when the body is healthy, the soul sings. And just to digress a little bit, that's why one of the most charitable things that we can do to our friends that we're trying to get them to be more spiritual is just to try to get them to be happy, you know, just to have them being live, you know, a happier lifestyle. So I would take a look at that. But then, you know, after you've kind of seen that, you want to look at yourself and say, okay, what spiritual practice can I do that is reasonably, um, maybe that's the wrong way, not reasonably easy, but just sufficiently um, um, capable, I'm sufficiently capable of doing every day. You know, so you don't want to pick up something, you know, super hard. Yeah, you want it to be sustainable, right? Yeah, sustain it. Exactly. And so what am I going to do? And even if it's like, I'm just going to get on my knees before I go to bed at night, I'm going to say three Hail Marys for purity, make an examination of conscience and say an act of contrition at night. You know, if you can just sustain that over the course of three months, you'd be surprised how much that would do if you, if you put your heart into it. You know, if you just flop down and just do it just to do it, well, it's not going to do anything. 
But if you put your heart into something just that amazingly simple and short, God can leverage that into other things. Um, but the rosary is the prayer par, par excellence, I think, for bringing you, you know, out of um, self-induced uh, tupor um, of the spiritual life, especially if you can do it every day in a church. Anybody listening out there that just really wants to jumpstart your spiritual life, if you can stop in a church every day on your way home from work and just say a rosary in front of the Blessed Sacrament um, there in the tabernacle or just even go kneeling from the image of Our Lady in that church, um, you do that for two months, you're, you're going to see a marked improvement in, in your spiritual life and your state of being. Mm. I, I remember hearing a story about a father. He was having problems with his kids, you know, just behavioral. There were um, attitude problems, kids that, you know, teenagers that didn't want to go to church, didn't want to have anything to do with, uh, you know, where, where he and his wife wanted to lead them as the parents spiritually. And he had a priest recommend to him, said, just take them to Eucharistic adoration. Don't, don't say that they have to spend time praying. Just simply bring them there before Jesus in the Eucharist. And, you know, you sit there and you pray, but just have them accompany you. And the Father, he did this. And I forget what the span of time was, if it was, you know, once a week over the course of two, three, four months, whatever it was. But he said... It made such a dramatic change in the the dynamic of their family relationships and those kids. It really just turned them around, just being in the presence of Jesus there in the Eucharist. And, you know, I mean, that's one person's experience. I'm not going to say that that's going to be the answer to everyone who has uh, discord or, you know, disharmony in the family situation with, with, you know, kids living at home. But there is something to be said for just being in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And as you're talking about, whether it's us jump-starting our own spiritual life, being able to be there in front of a tabernacle or, you know, maybe a monstrance where the Eucharist is exposed and being able to pray ourselves, get ourselves jump-started, or being able to, help, you know, have that really healthy impact on the other members of your family, if you can just say, just come along. You don't have to do anything. Just just come along with me. We'll go grab, you know, coffee or a sandwich or an ice cream cone afterwards. Yeah. Well, that's what I tell my staff when, they, you know, I hire my full-time staff and I hire a lot of young people right out of college and they work for a year and then they move on. And, you know, they're, they're good Catholic kids, but they haven't really perhaps learned how to pray that well. And I make them do a holy hour every morning with us in front of the Blessed Sacrament. You know, the whole staff does a holy hour every morning. And I tell them, look, just come. I mean, just I don't care. Read the New York Times if you want to, but just be there for for the hour. And uh, I I agree with that story. It's just there's something that just um, kind of miraculously happens when you're just with our Lord Jesus there in the Blessed Sacrament. And I've known it yeah. for a number of I've known women have dragged their kids and they they didn't want to come at all, and suddenly they're in the seminary. Crazy. <laughs> right. And I bet those moms would have never imagined that there would be that dramatic turnaround. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking with Father Eric Nielsen today here on The Inner Life. And uh want to open up the phones for your call. 888-914-9149 is our phone number here. 888-914-9149. Talking about how we experience those times of consolation from God, those consolation moments in prayer. How about you? When have you experienced that love of God, that that consoling love of God in those moments of your prayer? And how did those times help you maybe to persevere when 
you went into those desolation times, those times where God felt distant or it just felt like your prayers didn't have any sort of impact or effect? And how have those times of consolation from God, how have they allowed you to trust him more fully in your life, maybe in a a deeper way than you had experienced before? And maybe you have a question as we're talking about consolation and desolation in the spiritual life. You're welcome to call and speak with Father Eric, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll be right back with more here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today, we'd like to thank Daniel, who's listening in Arkansas, for donating his Dodge. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. such a beautiful piece, Prelude Number 1 by Bach. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you along with us here today for this hour of spiritual direction. And today I'm talking with Father Eric Nielsen. He is a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, talking today about discernment of spirits. And maybe that's a concept you're not familiar with. Uh, it, It deals with consolation and desolation in the spiritual life. The desolation, the times where we feel that we're not making that progress, we're not close to God, our prayers don't seem to be having much impact in helping us grow in our relationship with God. Those times of consolation, though, where we can experience God's love, that comfort from God, and how that then allows us to love God because we feel close to Him. And maybe you've had that experience in your life. Maybe you have a question about how to understand whether you're in that, that time of consolation or desolation, you're welcome to call in and join the program today. 888-914-9149 is our phone number here. 888-914-9149. And uh, Father Eric, you know, right before the break, we were talking about the desolation side of things here as we're discerning those spirits. And we talked about when we're the ones who kind of dig ourselves in that rut. We stop doing the things we know we should do to help us maintain that relationship with God. But then there are the times where God allows us to experience those moments of spiritual desolation. And I I think, you know, the first question would come up, well, why would God allow us? Why wouldn't God simply want us to always be in in that realm, in that experience of consolation? Why wouldn't that just be an ongoing thing for us if we are doing what we're supposed to do in praying and in going to Mass and wanting to be in relationship with God? Well, the most important reason is that in order for us to be a saint and die and go straight to heaven, we need to have a profound humility that realizes our total insignificance and dependence on God, and that the only thing we really rest on is God's love for us. And what happens when we're in a spirit of consolation, especially early on in our spiritual life, um, we get kind of used to that gift, and we just imperceptibly believe that the reason I'm in consolation is not because there's this, it's a gift from God, it's because I'm just a good person doing the right thing. And because I'm a good person and because I'm doing the right thing, um, this is just who I am. And we, we 
tend to rely on our own resources, our own abilities, you know, and things. And God wants to strip us of that. And in order to strip us of that, he's, he's got to allow us to experience periods of desolation. So in desolation, we learn our insignificance. It humbles ourselves, And we, we just really learn that, that we are nothing without um, God's help. When God sends, it, it's kind of like the difference between, in a certain sense. You're trying to get to heaven, and heaven is on the other side of the shore. And in consolation, you know, you got the you got the sails up. Or maybe it's better like this. It's like biking with the wind behind you. And you're moving real fast, and you're biking. You think, man, I am just the best bike rider in the world. I can just go forever. <laughs> uh-huh. And then suddenly the wind and it's shifts. All downhill. And your, yeah. It's all yeah. It's in your face, and you're like, man, i got to really pedal now. And um, so that's kind of the experience. So that's the first thing. The other thing, too, is that um, we need to deepen our faith. And faith is beyond our feelings. You can't really feel God. Uh, because God is beyond feelings, and you can't really intellectually understand and know God, so He's a He's behind um, He's beyond your thoughts. So, in a certain sense, in order for you to really enter into a deep faith, so that you can enter into a truly mystical union with our Lord, you, you've got to be stripped of these exterior um, things that we rely on for our faith. And and that's very uh, that's very traumatic. That's a dark night of the soul, and and that's desolation. And Mother Teresa experienced yeah. that to a great extent, and so have all the saints. And so I would say you, you got those two types of desolations. And you know the other thing too is just to get a little bit more into the weeds here in the spiritual life. Prior to the dark night of the soul is this thing called the dark night of the senses, where our Lord just wants us to rely more on Him for our joy than on the things of this world. And this can happen quite early on in our spiritual life if we just give ourselves over to the spiritual life where suddenly all the things that used to make us happy kind of, you know, no longer give us joy. And it can kind of feel like we're entering into a period of depression. And it's just, it's a type of spiritual desolation that our Lord gives us in order to purify us. And that's called the dark night of the senses, which mm-hmm. is another type of desolation. The important thing in desolation to know of, just if you could take one thing away from what I'm saying right now is in a spirit of desolation, never make any important changes or decisions. You know, when you're in a spirit of desolation, what you want to do is just stay the course. You know, don't take on added spiritual practices. Don't subtract spiritual practices. You know, for the most part, don't change your job. You know, don't, don't buy a new house. You know, just, just don't give up that one. Like a lot of times too, if you take on a very important project, especially if that project is for God, you're going to, you know, you and a bunch of lay people have gotten together and you're going to start a new Catholic high school and the, and the diocese and the bishop is behind it and you're the chairman of the board and suddenly, you know, just as you're about to do it, you're just thrown into a spirit of desolation and you might, well, just, I'm, what am I doing this project? This is never going to work. I'm just going to give it up. No, um, you don't make that decision, spirit of desolation. You know, keep keep moving forward. Right. Um, that's just a, a trial and a test. Well, um, just just for the sake of you know, um, as you're talking about this, try not to make those decisions. Sometimes, just events around us they impel us. They kind of force our hand that we're going to have to make some sort of important life decision. And as much as we might not want to, you know, if we're in that that time of desolation. And we really do have to make some sort of decision. 
uh, you know, some big life decision. Any advice on what you do then at that point? Yeah, I would say if, if, if that's the case, then in, in some ways, if you've got to make a life decision, a spirit of desolation, um, the, it's just important that you don't let fear enter into your decision process. Try and keep that's it what's going to happen. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to be afraid. And if, and so you, you don't want to not make the right decision just because you're fearful of it, you know? And so in other words, so if you have to decide whether to take this job and, um, it's, it, it's, you know, like I'm losing this job and I got, I, and I could stay here, but I'll get a little bit of demotion, but there's this other job, but it's with a startup and da, 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 you know, well, what happens you're, the odds are you're going to be too fearful to, to take that bigger leap if you're in a spirit of desolation. And so you just want to try to realize that and say, okay, I, 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 I'm just feeling a lot of fear right now and I just can't take that into right, account. Right. You know, and just take it. You know, another thing that might be good to talk about here too is those times of spiritual desolation. Those are times where Satan really can try and dig in. You know, you're talking about fear, that that fear, you know, fear is going to come from the evil one. It's not going to come from God. And I remember years ago, I was reading a book by Matthew Kelly, and I, I really like Matthew Kelly. I appreciate the work he's doing to evangelize people for the church. But in this particular book, he talked about all of these times where we don't want to do what God wants. He identifies these moments, at least in this book, he says, those are moments of resistance. I'm experiencing resistance when I don't want to pray, or if I feel like, you know, going to Mass, it gets in the way of what I want to do for the weekend. Um, I, I really wish he would have stated directly that this resistance that we encounter, it's actually spiritual warfare. You know, Satan, he's the one who wants to keep me for, uh, away from God, but Satan doesn't want me to necessarily know <laughs> that he's the one yeah. working to keep me in this kind of, you know, stale, apathetic state where I'm not making those strides in my spiritual life. So, I think it's important that also, as we're talking about this, having that solid understanding of what's happening with the spiritual forces at work in our lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we, we are constantly being bombarded by Satan. We just have to realize that. Yeah. And um, he's putting thoughts in our heads. And um, and he will take, he takes advantage. So the spiritual desolation is, in a sense, given to us by our Lord. And he puts us in a state of spiritual des desolation, but the devil sees that and takes advantage of it. So he jumps onto that. So the temptation and the fear and all that doesn't come from God. You know, that comes from Satan herself. Uh, but the, the actual state of being, it, that's what that's what comes from God. The, the, God never sends us fear. Right. Well, and, and it kind of, I, I mean, it makes me think to those final lines of the Our Father, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil especially in those times of desolation, boy, that, that's an important aspect to pray, um, you know, that, that we, we really ask God to help us out in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, uh, God is, uh, you know, he, he, he is a God of consolation. He's, he's not a God of desolation. Yeah. And his, his, his desire is to console us. He only sends us desolation if it's, if it's for our betterment. And uh, so we got to trust that in those periods of desolation, you know, he, he's, he, he's um, with us. You know that the story of the, um, you know, the footprints in the sand? Oh, yeah, right. And, it, you know, I've never, I never liked that story, to tell you the truth. It always <laughs> I know, it sad. always seems a little cheesy. I, I agree. Cheesy. I, I'm on the same page but with you. But then I heard, 
I heard John Paul II, some interpretation of it. And he said, because when you're in desolation, I don't feel like God's carrying me. Right. I, you know what I mean? And uh, what John Paul II says is that when there's only one set of footprints in the stand, it's because you are following the master so closely. You are walking in his mm. footsteps. Mm. Yeah, that's so that's beautiful. why there's only one step. Uh, you know, it also makes me think of if I am walking close with God, even in those times of desolation— we, you know, being that closely connected with God, we can we can still accomplish the work that He gives us. And I'm very specifically thinking right now, Jesus on the cross. You know, He's having supreme evil done against Him. He's saying things like, "My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me, or why have You abandoned Me?" But at the same time, in that moment, He is fulfilling the ultimate purpose of His earthly life there on on the cross, the the salvation, the doors of salvation that are open to us even in that suffering, that desolation, because he is yeah. so fully united with the Father. Well, the saints have done great works in, spirit, in a spirit of desolation. Right. You know, it's, it's just purified them and kept them humble in the middle of the great accomplishments that they were doing. So, and you find, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're doing these great accomplishments, and you talk to them, and they feel like they're doing nothing. Right. Because they're just in that, God has put them in that spirit of desolation. So, so I mean... And that's the thing is to stay the course. That's the most important thing. That's why a lot of times God doesn't put us in a spirit of desolation until we're in a stable place where we can stay the course, even though it's staying the course might be building a, you know, a, a, a you know, brand new apostolate. But it's, it's already been decided that this is what you're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. It's just you're just carrying it out. So, yeah. so let, let's talk about consolation then. How do I know when I am experiencing this you know, that, that this is really coming from God, that it's not just kind of, we, you talked about not being too overly attached with feelings, not letting feelings dictate as we're trying to discern, is this true consolation from God or am I in this spirit of desolation? What are some key characteristics that I can look at and say, I really am in this, in this time of consolation? And then know that I can I can look at this as a time maybe for growth for myself spiritually that I can I can maybe take on more at those times. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. You know, when you're in a real good spirit of consolation, it's then okay. That's when I, maybe I can pick up the spiritual life a little bit here and you know just really push myself a little bit more. Um, so, and then, you know, again, these things are kind of tricky, and perhaps the best way to know it is just to experience it yourself. But when it comes to consolation, you have to be very careful that you're not talking about, in a certain sense, spiritual feelings, because spiritual feelings um, can come from the devil. You know, suddenly you just have these warm, fuzzy feelings in your heart, and that's not necessarily consolation. It's just, I mean, I I guess I can't, a lot of people know what I'm talking about here. You know, you go to praise and worship service, or suddenly you get this great feeling at benediction. Or just every time you walk into a church, you're just getting, you know, or the retreat high, you know, you're just getting these these consolation moments and suddenly your mind just really goes to God. St. Ignatius actually would have these while he was at his lectures, when he was in school, and he realized that they were coming from the devil to distract him from listening to the lecture. And he went up to the professor and said, look, I'm not listening to you. And if if this happens again, I'm going to tell you so that it doesn't happen anymore. So we, we don't want to really kind of see that as the type of consolation we're talking about. So the consolation we're talking about that comes from God is, first of all, a feeling of peace 
and a feeling, if you will, of attraction to God, uh, a strong attraction to him, a strong attraction to carrying out his will, um, a dissatisfaction, if you will, of the things of this world. Things of this world don't have a hold on me. And a sense of humility, um, which the devil cannot manufacture. The devil cannot manufacture humility in your soul. He can give you a lot of other consolations, and kind of, if you will, masquerade spiritual consolations, but not humility. And and then there's just a great desire to do um, um, great things. You know, we just read recently in the Office of Readings on the um, Feast Day of St. Ignatius of Antioch. You know, he's he's writing letters to the surrounding churches as he's being dragged to the to uh, the lions, to be fed to the lions. And he's saying, I desire to be turned into wheat, you know, by the jaws of these lions. So please don't do anything to stop these people from doing this to me. Um, and then St. John Baruf, you know, this is just a few days ago, you know, he's writing this letter when he's in North America in the 17th century. You know, it's my strongest desire right at this moment to undergo any torture possible that I may lay down my life for Christ. And so, I mean, we're talking about people in just a real strong sense of consolation here. (laughs) And um, not that we necessarily have to have a great desire to suffer all the the pains of martyrdom in consolation, but but it's more or less like that. I I humbly know that I am nothing compared to God. Hmm. God has this great call on me, and I feel drawn to him like a magnet, and my desire to do things for him are, are greatly increased. Yeah. Again, I wish, you know, (laughs) there was that ability to stay in that state constantly. But, uh, Father, let's pick up our conversation in just a minute here. need to take our final break for the hour. And again, talking with Father Eric Nielsen about spiritual consolation, spiritual desolation, how we experience that, especially that consolation side, how that allows us to grow closer to God, how that allows us to do great things for God and for the kingdom of God. When have you experienced that in your life? How did those times help you to maybe persevere when you didn't feel as close to God, when you felt like God was distant? How did that, that those times of consolation from God allow you then to take on more, to do more things for God, to grow in your relationship, maybe to impact others that you know, your family, your friends, and be a witness for God in those relationships in your life? Uh, how did it allow you to trust him more fully? is our phone number here. If you'd like to join the program, 888-914-9149, and we'll be right back on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Well, we are on the the home stretch of October, heading towards November, and in November, the church invites us to especially celebrate the lives of our friends and family who have passed away and to pray for the souls in purgatory, for their entry into heaven. And I hope that you can join us here at Relevant Radio 
In praying for the Holy Souls, we're going to have a novena for the Holy Souls starting November 2nd, All Souls Day, and going through November 10th. And you can also submit names of those that you would like to have prayed for, your departed loved ones. You can do that at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. You'll see the banner there, and you can submit those names. And when you send those through... We'll also sign you up for different daily reflections that will be sent to you by Father Rocky, our executive director here at Relevant Radio, every single day, all nine days of that novena, helping you to enter a little more deeply into that novena as we pray together. Again, you can add those names of the souls that you would like to have prayed for at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. And then make sure to join us and pray together with us, uh, specifically three different times during the day, uh, one at Mass. That's at noon central, immediately following this hour, this program. Then there's also at 3 o'clock central in the afternoon, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and then the Family Rosary Across America that you can pray together with us at 7 o'clock central in the evening here on Relevant Radio. And today here on The Inner Life, we're talking with Father Eric Nielsen about discernment of spirits, about the spiritual consolation, the desolation that we experience in our lives. If you joined us late, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to the entire hour once the podcast is posted at our website or on the Relevant Radio app. A lot of good information on how we understand this discernment of spirits, how we understand if we are in that state of consolation or that state of desolation, and then how we then proceed in those areas of our life. And uh, Father Eric, as we continue our conversation, um, you know, one of the things that we might talk about is as as I'm looking at spiritual consolation, that's the that's the place I want to be, of course, you know. Um, but if I find myself in that place of spiritual desolation. Is there anything I can do in my prayer life, anything that I can do in my spiritual walk to try and move quickly into that area of consolation to, I guess, just kind of open the door for God so that, you know, letting him know, hey, as soon as you want to bring me out of this, as soon as you want to get me back into that place of consolation, I'm all ready. I'm ready for you. Yep. Yeah, I must say, plus two, just to piggyback on what we said recently, you know, I was talking about consolation. You want, you're ready to die for Christ, which is true. But basically for most people, consolation is just, you know, I'm willing to get up in the morning, go to work with a smile on my face and, you know, just do the normal day-to-day activities that God gave us. So, I, you know, it's obviously unrealistic to think that um, in order for me to be in a spirit of consolation, I have to, you know, just be, be willing to um, be tortured for Jesus this morning and, and look forward to it, right? And so, you know, there's different levels of consolation. Right, right. You know, if we find ourselves in desolation, um, the first thing we, we want to do is not kick against the gold and just complain about it and whine about it. And, you know, God, you know, why am you just embrace it? And because if you kick against it, it'll last longer than it needs to last. You know, and so if God has put you in a spirit of desolation, he's done it for a for a positive reason, and you you embrace it and just simply go about your day the way you're supposed to and not cut back on your prayer life and, and do the things you're supposed to do, you'll come out of it a lot quicker and a lot holier. So I would say the first thing to do is just not, just not fight against your desolation and stop doing the things that you're doing. In fact, a lot of people never really advance in the spiritual life because they can't handle desolation. And what happens, because they can't handle desolation, you know, God puts them in a, um, in a 
place where they were previously before they entered into desolation. And then they kind of just hang out there the rest of their whole lives because they can never enter into a spirit desolation. So I would say that's, that's the number one thing to do is just to simply embrace it. And then, um, secondly, just say, Lord, please, you know, um, this hurts. And, um, as, as soon as you wish, I'm, I'm ready to leave it. Yeah, well, and, as you're, uh, as you're talking about this too, I think, you know, we have to get out of this mindset that we see so prevalent, especially in, you know, past decades, we've had a lot of different TV evangelists that will promote this idea of a wealth and health kind of gospel, that if you are in a good place, if you are getting up, if God is blessing you in your life, if you have enough money to pay the bills, if you feel like you are close to God, well, that means you're doing everything right and God's rewarding that. But, you know, if we look at even the life of of Job in the Old Testament— just because God allows us to be tested and because we don't have all of these blessings, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us and he's not close to us. Um, you know, we, we have to get out of this kind of reward-based idea of spiritual communion and friendship with God. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, you, or you just won't advance. I mean, it's, it's right through Scripture. I mean, St. Paul, I think, is, you know, count it blessed when you suffer many right. temptations. right. You know, by by in, by patience. That the primary virtue for the spiritual writers of the Middle Ages was patience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Lenora, who's calling in from Glendale, California. Lenora, welcome to the Inner Life. Glad to have you on the air. Thank you very much. Um, really relating to to everything that's being discussed here, and um, thank you so much. And I hope I can be concise with my question and story it's a, it's a, a little bit involved but um i i'm feeling in a period of desolation right now and feeling resistance to um praying well the divine mercy chaplet is what i've been praying um i was raised jewish and i became um christian in 2009 and i've been listening to your to your station, you know, day and night, basically. <laughs> and I started praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet some months ago. I got the book from free um, from Drew, Drew's book, and I loved it. And I started praying the chaplet, and um, some things happened that were, I mean, I, I hope I'm not placing too much weight on what happened, like in the first few days after I started praying it. But they were kind of miraculous in appearance. Um, I mean, first, um, three dozen roses just mysteriously appeared on our lawn. Um, They were all red except one was white. And we we have no idea where they came from. I tried to, you know, I posted it on the, the neighborhood. Um, hey, Lenora, I, I do want to, you know, make sure you have enough time here, but we've only got a couple minutes left, so I just want to make sure you're able to ask the question you want to ask of Father. I'll try and encapsulate it, I guess. Um, but I started, and several other wonderful things happened, and, and then I started to feel a resistance, like a wondering if this was truly from God or was um, not. <laughs> um, and um, because of some negativity attached to it, it's hard to describe, but um, I started to feel resistance to praying 
the chaplet and whether I should even be praying it, not being Catholic and so on. Um, anyway, and I went into a period of desolation <laughs> uh, that I'm kind of stuck in now with the, like what you described, staying up at night on the computer and not eating right and so on. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think what yeah, I mean it's 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 a classic test, and and um, you want to go back to the course that you had when you were saying the chaplet don't change anything, and um, it's 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 a classic test that comes after we started something really good, and generally what we get is we get some consolation in the beginning to give us encouragement, and it's positive encouragement, but then God pulls back a little bit, and the devil takes advantage of that, and he he starts to push us around, and so what you want to do is just. You know, look at how you're living your life just, just as before you started saying the chaplet, and you want to continue doing that with the chaplet. Mm-hmm. And you you just put your head down and brace these headwinds, and they'll go away sooner than you realize, and you'll you'll come out on the other side a lot happier and, and a lot more convinced of its goodness and um, truth. Father, as Lenora was talking there, too, you know, she's really talking about seeing miracles initially— and then really kind of experiencing doubts, you know, should I still even be praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet? I'm not Catholic. And those doubts that come in, it's so important that we are able then to look back at the way God has worked, those miracles, whatever they are in our lives, and be able to hold on to those as proof of God being there when, when we experience those doubts in those times of desolation. Yeah, that's, that's, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what we do. Uh, Father, again, really short on time here, but one last thing might be good to talk about, the importance of a daily examine in understanding if we're in spiritual consolation or desolation, not just kind of every once in a while, every few weeks or every couple months, looking at the, the, the state of our spiritual lives, but looking at it every single day so we have a baseline. Yeah, I mean, especially if you just um, write things down, like, you know, I try to do that at night when I make my exam and every night I kind of write down one or two sins that I've done and um, or something that I didn't do. And it just gives you some sort of base work to work on with your spiritual director or somebody that holds your soul accountable. And, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living, said Socrates. And then um, Aristotle came along and said the well-ordered life is not worth examining. So maybe just leave it with that. If, if you're living an unordered life, you can't really examine your soul, whether you're in a state of consolation or not, because it's just, your consolation is just going to rise and fall with your unorderedness, with your, with your random lifestyle. Right. So order your life, and then you can do some good self-examination. Father Eric, always good to talk with you here on the program. We've got about 20 seconds. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. Heavenly Father, we'd ask that through your mercy and grace, that you'd pour into the hearts of all of our listeners today the strong desire to know you and to love you and to serve you in this world and to know you and love you in the next. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Eric, for being with us. And again, if you joined us late, if you'd like to go back and listen to the entire show, the podcast will be available here in just a little bit. You can find it on our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. While you're there, make sure you sign up for that novena for the Holy Souls. You'll see that banner on the page there. 